0: Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region.
1: No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Piccola. Well, hello, I'm Thomas Doherty. And I'm Panu Piccola. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, our podcast. It's a show for people around the globe who are thinking deeply about the personal side of climate change, including your emotions, how you feel about the issue. Uh, We know that, you know, what the research tells us is that most of you listening, 70% or more, really care about this issue of climate change and want to do something about it. But, you know, only a small percentage of you actually talk about climate change in your lives uh, publicly. And so we invert that ratio. We talk about climate change all the time here and and our emotions and mental health and our feelings. And that is our job here. Panu, today I want to, I just want to, Talk about this idea of holding space. This came up after our last conversation. Holding space for something. Holding space. In this case, we're holding space for emotions about climate change. And I know in my work around environmental issues and psychology and eco psychology and ecotherapy and outdoor therapy. In many many times over the past years, I've just I've consoled myself that I'm holding space for this these topics. I am creating a space. I'm trying to hold it so that we can talk about it and making it safe for others to come in. Um, and I think it's a really juicy concept for all of us. We don't have to have all the answers when we're holding space. We don't even have to have a long-term direction when we're holding space, but we know something's important and we want to protect the space to feel and think and be about it ourselves and with others. Um, and I'm just wondering what you think about that in relation to your work around climate change and climate emotions uh and all the many things that you're doing. Mm. yeah, I
0: think that's a very important concept and phenomenon, so very often at first people feel quite lonely if they recognize climate emotions in in themselves especially because in most societies and communities there's been so few opportunities to discuss or reflect on them that is luckily changing now rapidly in many places but that's still the, the, the condition in many places and has been in the history so so the need for safe spaces and for someone or something to hold that space, so that it becomes possible to be in touch with your emotions and feelings. So that's a crucial thing in all eco-emotion work, I think.
1: Yeah, we have so many emotions, and they're you know they're they're all happening all the time. And it's like a, it's it's like a train, you know. As I say, you know, when we catch it, we see the car passing on the train, the engines far away far ahead of us and by the time we catch up on one of the cars and whatever we're feeling we we have to realize we felt all kinds of things previous to that and we'll feel more after but uh one of the things that comes up to me is almost a almost a warrior energy almost like a sort of a peaceful warrior energy to say certainly a stubbornness but more of a resolute kind of feeling that i am going to hold this space you know kind of a bravery a courage um But also a toughness, you know, a toughness to say, no, I'm going to I'm going to be here and I'm not I'm not going to be scared away, um, you know, by social pressures or someone looking askance at me. Uh, Certainly in in academia, there's a holding space when you're trying to start a new project, you know. uh, um, So that's something I felt a lot. Um, What you know, what what kind of emotions come up? You know, for you, or what have you seen in terms of the different, you know, emotional tones that come with this idea of holding space? Mm.
0: Yes, that idea of sort of standing one's ground mm-hmm. is one very interesting aspect of this. I often tend to think of holding space in relation to containment, that uh-huh. concept from psychology where something is able to be contained enough so that it can be faced with or without naming it, even better if it can be named but of course many climate emotions and feelings for example are so ambiguous and so conglomerates of different feelings that it may be rather hard to name them exactly, but at least naming some main tones of that would be already very useful. And sadness or grief is one that comes up very often, which is very understandable because there's so many changes and losses happening around. And as we've many times discussed with you, uh, it's tricky because the societies around us are not especially attuned uh, to validating grief and sadness. It's more like be, be be happy, don't be sad attitude that one tends to find mm-hmm. in industrialized mm-hmm. countries. And often the people I meet have a strong stronger problems with ecological grief because of these cultural
1: attitudes. The, does that come up in, in your work, Thomas? Yeah, no, I can resonate with that very much. The um, holding space is, is sort of a, how would I say it, most people rush, you know. They they're impulsive about a lot of this stuff, and they rush into things, and they try to grasp onto certain, you know, whatever the certain feelings are, or fit in with, or, or fit in with others, and they and they haven't quite done the done the work, I guess, to to really sort out all of their feelings. I mean, one of the one of the one of the metaphors I I, I use with 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 my my counseling and therapy clients is just, you know just emptying the, emptying the bag, emptying the sack, you know, we carry around this sack of all these thoughts and feelings and impressions and goals and values. And it's just, you know, empty it out, you know, to dump it out on the table and let's sort out, let's sort out all of this. And so emptying out the, emptying out the sack of our, our, our environmental emotions can be really helpful. And it's, it's a pre-step, you know, we don't have to work on expressing or even understanding, but you know, We create space, uh, a white space, so to speak, a blank slate, and we can empty out our sack and see what the heck is in there. That's a really
0: great metaphor, I think. And uh, probably usually people find many surprising
1: objects on the table after that, I would suppose. Yeah, there's some beautiful seashells in there and all kinds of stuff. And then there's also you know, bricks that we've been carrying for 25 or 30 or 40 years or 10 years or whatever in there as well. but yeah, how how to get people to you know, part of this is physiological, being in your body, and breathing and slowing down and being present. You know, we you know as our stress level rises, like a old mercury thermometer, you know the the mercury is rising, and, and our bandwidth and our creativity space is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So by the time we're super stressed, we have a very limited bandwidth, and we're very tunnel visioned, you know, and it's um. You know, so it's backing off on that stress level and you know, opening up that that spectrum of uh, creativity and bandwidth expression. To, to, you know, to see about to see about what's 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 all in there. Um, yeah, that yeah, that re- reminds me of the etymology
0: of the word stress, having to do with pressures and weight that one experiences, and certainly unrecognized. Ecological grief can be a big part of that, those burdens. But then, of course, guilt, sometimes even, even shame is a big part of that in many people's lives that I meet. And that's one, one emotional tone that really needs public recognition and holding space, safe spaces. And it's very, very complex because after all, the relationship between individual responsibility and structural responsibility—that's uh, a tricky, tricky
1: one. No, indeed, and that's that's a that's in the background in all our in all our talks is is um, you know who's responsible and 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 uh, culpable for climate issues, and you know so much of this is like a, you know my term of being a climate hostage. People are climate hostages, even in mm-hmm. even wealthy people in, in in affluent countries are still hostage to small. Groups that have, have, have kind of stymied our 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 abilities to address the issue of climate, and it's it's really a global injustice. And so we we're, that 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 specter of injustice is hanging over this all the all the time. Uh, but the holding space, you know, as you say, the sh- for shame and guilt and some of these things, and then we're you know holding space is a, is a, is an odd welcoming. It's a, come on in, you know, come you know let's let's let these feelings come in and, and, and have their own. Uh, value and and, and respect. Um, I was reading quotes um, from Stephen Hayes, a psychologist that's done a lot of work around therapy um, creation here in the United States. He, he had a quote about, you know, we, we hurt where we care and we care where we hurt. Mm. Right? We hurt where we care and we care where we hurt. So it's a, it's a helpful one to to think about, in mean, particular, you know, if we're hurting, it's because we care about something. If we're mm, hurting, yeah. it's because there's a value there, you know, and so, again, as we dig through our sack, we realize underneath the guilt and the shame, there's other things there, other, other, well, other healthy feelings, like, you know, pride and respect and health, and, you know, also our values about justice and ecology and sustainability and all this sort of stuff. But, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, poking into these. It's painful. Let's just be honest. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, pain, it's painful to do this work. It's not easy. Yeah, that's a very pro- profound thing, thing again that
0: you men- mentioned, Thomas, and there's a couple of good books about ecological emotions which make this point. I'm thinking of Tim Jensen's Ecologies of Guilt in Environmental Rhetorics from mm. 2019 where he makes the argument that even though people normally think that when they feel ecological guilt, it is because they have failed, but in fact it is because they care. So exactly the the point that you were making, make, making Thomas, and this can be a real discovery to many people that hey, it's, it's actually a sign of care, empathy, compassion, even you know love if we use that that big big word, and the same same for grief. I remember a talk that I was giving in early June to environmental educators in in Finland and and then citing this ecological sadness is the price of caring uh, argument and a couple of people emailed me afterwards and thanked for saying, saying that out loud and that was also a good reminder for me that one really needs to repeat this sort of very basic and important messages, even though, you know, after being involved with this issue several years, one gets so, so used to these, even the most important ones, but
1: I think we really need to keep reminding ourselves and others of them. Indeed, that's, that's something to take, take for granted. And I, I, you know, in our listeners, we need to, we need to, you know, all of us, we need to think about this. Some of you listening have been holding space for many years, maybe, you know, maybe even longer than i'm alive mm. and uh and so the, a lot of the, our listeners uh, can resonate with this and they're holding space so i want to i want to honor you all people that are holding space around the world people who might be listening holding space in various ways so i want to just honor you all and thank you um so i think it's important to really take that in for all of us you know the our, you know if you're listening you can put your hand you know, over your heart, and you can take some deep breaths, and you can say, yes, I'm holding space. I'm holding space just for myself, you know, for my family, for my community, for others, and, you know, really just, just be with that, you know, and I, I appreciate it, and you are appreciated, uh, and this is a sign of love, and, you know, a sign of care, you know, these I love that title, "Ecologies of Guilt in Environmental Rhetorics." Right, so that's a great <laughs> way to kind of. So, in our intellectual work, you know, we have these, this, these, 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 um, these ecologies of guilt, but in emotions, you know, we're we're here and we're present and we're holding space. So, I just want to kind of get that. I want to get that out there. Pains of an ecological education are, are living in a in a world of wounds. Right, you know, the Aldo Leopold quote. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, so. Like you say, uh, Panu, we have to keep coming back to these, you know, these wisdoms, these nuggets of wisdom that we might have known for a long time, but we need to keep repeating it for ourselves, but also for the new generation that are coming in here yeah, exactly. that haven't spent 10, 20, 30, 40 years holding space and, you know, being with this sort of stuff, it's all new. They're they're on their first you know run around the track here, their first lap in this crazy world
0: yeah yeah that's a that's a very hugely important point and also my strong gratitude to all all of the folks around there who have done this some for a short time and some for a very long time and my earlier dissertation research dealt with partly environmental history. And that was a time when I really learned to respect more those pioneers in the late 19th century and early 20th century, who already tried to make an an impact and sort of bridge building work between generations. That's something close to my, my heart also. And now in 2021, when awareness about climate emotions is spreading, luckily, so then some of these early people like like Janis Glendinning, who who you have mentioned, mm-hmm. Thomas yourself, who, mm-hmm. or not not too many people of these new new generations know know about. So there's some important wisdom in in books, uh, 25, 30 years old, and then not to mention Aldo Leopold and those folks back then.
1: Yeah, yeah, Chellis Glendening. I'm in her book. uh, My name is Cellus and I'm in recovery from Western civilization. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Good job, uh, Chellis, if you're out there. Um, Yeah, I got a chance to see her speak years ago at an eco psychology conference. Yeah, so holding space. So it's good to honor. I've got a bookshelf here with just tons of books, and I've got all these people that have been talking. You know, it's there's such a I have to vent, you know, a little bit. I talk to reporters, and I know you do too. And they and they come at this issue as if it's just brand new, as if it just if it just arrived like a like an egg this morning, you know, from a chicken. I was like, no, this is this. Come on, wake up, you know. We've been talking about people have been talking about this forever, and uh, certainly in our in our in our you know we're so ahistoric in the United States. It's terrible, you know. People f- forget everything that didn't happen more than a year ago, and uh, you know. And I've got all the eco-psychology writers and the ecotherapy writers. I've got books, you know, on ecotherapy and eco-psychology that are, you know, 30, 40 years old. And, you know, people like um, Joanna Macy, who's been doing this, you know, doing this work for years. And, you know, you know, so there's just more people than I can name um, out there. And then there's a whole new generation. I've got books in front of me. Uh, I've been looking at from the library, you know, this new book by Gus Speth they knew it's about the you know the, the history of fossil fuel you know you know government government support of the fossil fuel system in the US through all the presidential administrations going back to the you know to the 60s and you know David walswell's Wells uninhabitable earth you know he's holding he's holding space um i believe i was talking to you or it could have been someone else about you know a lot of people are holding space for doom they're holding mm-hmm. space for, for gloom doom the the worst case scenarios i think of David david wallace wells is is doing that really you know in a tragically beautiful way in his writing you know uh you know but then i've got you know bill gates has got a a optimistic a realistic but optimistic take on how to avoid climate disaster so he's holding space for innovation and um you know clean energy and things like that and that book that you mentioned uh in our one of our recent talks, Greenspan, Healing Through the Dark Emotions. I picked that up and I've been looking at that. So uh Miriam Greenspan therapist, you know, again, in the therapy world, people have been holding space for, you know, that is part of the therapy. therapist job, basic job yeah, is to that. hold space. Um uh, Ecotopian Lexicon, um uh, Schneider Meyerson and Bellamy, that's a great that's a great book where we look at all these different you know, eco words. Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess one one could speak of of an ecology in this sentence also that there's a need for different niches and and the different creatures in different parts of the of the system. And I also respect many kinds of writers on eco emotions, of course, it would be important to practice this climate cosmopolitanism, which is your mm-hmm. one of your term, terms, mm-hmm. Thomas, so that we wouldn't require from others that others adopt the exact sa- same approach as we do. That that kind of binary thinking is is dangerous, of of course, but there's there's room
1: for many kinds of takes on the related matters. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that I think we could segue a bit to how how do you do the holding space and a little more practical thoughts. But part of it is having that sense of what I you know what I call climate cosmopolitanism, which is not a common term, but it's something I've kind of adopted and by necessity for my own survival, because I I don't agree with every approach in the climate world, but I, I I'm I I do recognize that we have to build coalitions and we have to work together. Um, and so yeah climate cosmopolitanism is recognizing that we have billions of people on this planet and they're going to approach the issue of climate change in very different ways even if they agree that it's a pressing crisis and they're going to come into their politics of the earth which is another classic book you know so they're going to either come at it from technology or from politics or from economics or from social movements from spirituality from the therapeutic side uh, and, and then even within those silos, there's going to be variations on the theme, you know, uh, in terms of the you know, the eco-modernists and the, uh, and the back-to-the-land people and the, and the social justice people and the, all this sort of stuff. So we have to realize, yeah, not everyone's going to do it exactly my way. Yeah, yeah, totally. To- totally
0: I agree on that, that point. And in this research about emotions and feelings and environmental matters, Also, sometimes people have the hope that if we would just find the right emotion, some people think that it might be fear, others think it might be anxiety or anger, outrage, perhaps even, you know, guilt or then pride. If we only would find the right one, then we could do environmental communication right. But all luckily, this has been challenged by emotion researchers that it's not so simple. In in some circumstances, anger or some valences of anger work; in others, they don't. In some instances, guilt can get people more forward, and in other instances, it can paralyze them. So I really think that we need sensitiveness to context and the very different conditions that people live in when talking about any practical dimension of which emotion or feeling we want to cultivate.
1: Yeah, let's... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let... The, there's an instrumental view about this. There's, okay, yeah, so guys, there's a right key to the lock if we can just, you know... And so let's 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 respectfully back away from that uh, for a moment, and I, I'd love to chat about that on another episode. But I think it, it, it it's there's a danger of you know collapsing this holding space uh, when we do that, or we, true. we we true. violate it by saying, "Well, I'm 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 doing this for a reason. You're just a tool." Um, I understand why people want to find the right emotions, and they want they desperately want to communicate this. So I, I do understand that, and I want to hold space for that. Uh, but you know, I think practically holding space is is it's always it's always stepping back. It's always taking one step backward and then another step backward. And, you know, one of my critiques of some of the, you know, big big eco psychology writers that I've I've read is that they're not big enough actually. They have to step another back because they have their view. Anyone who has their big view of the world and why things are and then they have to say, and that is my view, and I'm gonna take one step back from that. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do because we get attached mm-hmm. very much to our views, particularly if we spend a lot of time nurturing them and holding space ourselves. We want them to be in the world. And anyway, I want my voice to be heard. You want your voice to be heard. So I I totally I totally get that. Uh, but you know, holding space is 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 creating emptiness. Mm-hmm. It's creating, like you say, the container, and it has to be a big container, not a little container, and it has to be as big as the issue. So you know we have to keep, you know, um, backing up, backing up, backing up, um, you know, making more room, uh, at the end of, uh, the, our, one of our recent talks, you brought up the Greek word, uh, thumos, Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and I wanted to just, I wanted to hold that. Cause that was really, I love, I love when these, these, these really thumos is a, is a, is an ancient, ancient concept. And, and, uh you know, I was thinking about that in terms of holding space, because I think the thumos is like sp- the way I understand it—spiritedness. It's it could be anger, it could be righteous anger, <laughs> but it's also just our heart and our spirit. And mm. um, yeah, how do you understand thumos? Yeah, yeah, I,
0: uh, along very similar lines, and in, sometimes it's translated quite di- directly as anger, but that doesn't capture it it all. I think this certain wholeheartedness. of of feeling, uh, which in English language, when somebody is really spirited about something, I think that captures important aspects of of tumours. And regarding this discussion about various ecological emotions or climate feelings, I think that tumours can arise as a combination of many emotions, but what would be really needed is that it arises because then it means that we are not locked we haven't blocked away too many emotional energies but i do make a separation between you know violent rage and thumos so i'm i'm not speaking about violent ra- rage here i'm speaking about mm-hmm. a spiritedness which also still has some guidelines from compassion and respect towards others
1: yeah yeah so it's one of these one of these words that we can keep developing and Thumos, you know our classical. This brings me back to my undergraduate classical, you know classical history, you know training, and, and at uh, my professor Wallace Gray and Arthur Danto and some of these these professors I had when I was in my undergraduate program teaching us classical civilization and Thumos, of, you know, a lot of people think of it in terms of you know Achilles, you know anger of Achilles and in uh, the Iliad there, but his that was that was the rageful. So I guess our spirit can become enraged, you know, at, when we, you know, this natural spiritedness, can we rankle against injustice? And we want to stand up for, for in, against injustice. And that's one way that this, this, this fire you know, comes out. But, you know, when we're, when we are wronged or betrayed, it can turn into a, a vengeful, a very vengeful energy and, and even a blind rage. Um, and so, obviously there are some listeners that feel that way around climate change and, and around the injustices mm-hmm. that are happening here so there's there's not there's there's you know that's that is something to make space for here you know that we feel wronged and you know we need we want to avenge that so you know um and then i was thinking of erite another greek good Greek, juicy greek word you know overall excellence you know how how do we balance all of our skills and really present ourselves mm-hmm. in a really integrated excellent way and so you know climate erite you know certainly climate thumos. most people can get around that pretty quickly mm-hmm. i think but climate erite is about uh excellence and it's about being our best mm-hmm. and showing our showing our strengths you know like a athlete you know showing their best and being just on time like an athlete or a musician or something like that so anyway our excellence yeah, yeah that's a yeah that's a, another great great concept and
0: linked of course with virtues and cultivation and one of the projects I'm finishing is with anxiety philosopher Charlie Kurtz and that's about the sort of adaptive dimensions of eco-anxiety and the sort of need to cultivate anxiety in the context of ecological crisis so eco-anxiety as a moral emotion So. Uh, that comes comes to my mind from mind from that, and I do do think that we need more discussions about the moral emotion framing of many climate emotions and and eco emotions. So thanks for bringing arete up. I'll have to do some some checking about that
1: too. Yeah, well you know we're into this stuff, and we we you know these words are really magical, and these feelings are magical, and they get in they, they get into us. So um, this is a really great conversation, and I look forward to some more um, very soon. You know, in our personal conversations, Panu and I, we talk about our our families and our life. Panu's in the evening in Finland. I'm in the morning. I just got my daughter off to to her high school. She's in ninth grade. She just started, so she's still nervous about going, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a big rite of passage for her. How are your um, uh, your boys are going to be coming up, Panu? Do you want to just Without unpacking everything, you want to just say a little bit about what you're coping with there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I might, I might as, as well. So, yeah. so
0: this is autumn 2021, and in Finland, where we are at the situation, that's. Uh, 40 year olds as as me and my wife we've had two vaccination shots that's another issue related to global justice we we know but still the delta variant is spreading and uh, our young youngest son caught it from preschool so so now the half of the family is confined inside and i and the older son luckily can still go outside to play some finnish finnish baseball so it's a sort of special time but luckily the symptoms are are mild but it's a strange time that we are, we are living but luckily autumn is coming and the beauty of the colorful leaves cheers up
1: yeah yeah so jakob got got covid 19 and he's 11 did you say or and
0: um, no, yeah, no, the the younger
1: one is five, and oh, the older one terrible. is eight. So yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, listeners can some listeners, unfortunately, can identify with that as well. I mean, we're dealing with all this stuff, and I've been lucky in our in our family not to be touched directly by by COVID nineteen, but that's a thing. And so even you 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 uh, Pano, even even being vaccinated and doing your best, you know, it's it's kind of gotten into your family. So I'm so appreciative you were able to make the time this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, was lovely lovely to discuss with you, Thomas, again. So this is Climate Change and Happiness, uh, climatechangeandhappiness.com. Um, as we get this podcast uh, set up, please reach out to us, let us know what you're thinking, and let us know what you think about our conversations. And we'll talk more again soon. You all take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.